Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and we're going to focus today on verses 11 and 12. Today I want to talk to you about what I'm entitling. It has two titles. It's either Confession of a Miserable Failure or it is the Testimony of a Wasted Week. You can put either one of those two titles together, but I'm going to share with you about my week. In the midst of the 2020 vision, I don't know if you know all the things that we're doing, but we have a lot of things going on. Well, in the midst of the 2020 vision, I have just been too busy for God to be dealing with me personally. You ever get to that point? Just too busy for God to deal with me personally. But let me, let me fill you in on something. Uh, God is always working on us. Amen? There's never a day that he doesn't work on us. And, and therefore, he did not want to miss the opportunity of doing some repairs to my heart right in the middle of all of my busyness. So that's what he's been doing this week. Well, how did this happen? The first thing that happened is last week, if you were here, you remember I preached on pride. Y'all remember that? I preached on sinful pride, and I told everybody, me included, how much God hates pride. Do y'all remember that? God hates pride more than anything else. He cannot stand that. So in, in the midst of that, wherever he, I preached against pride and that God's against it, God just kind of showed up at my doorstep to give me an opportunity to deal with my own pride this week, that pride that he hates. I'm sure none of you have had a week like I've had. I hope you haven't had a week like I've had. But in regard to it, God is dealing with that. Now, how, how did that happen? Well, it happens with these two verses that we're focusing on today. Remember, last week is God hates pride. Well, listen to what it says in verses 11 through 12. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. That's capitalized. Y'all see that in your Bible? That's capitalized. Who would that lawgiver and judge be? That's Jesus. Amen. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? That's what that passage says. Basically, in summary, it says this, that in your life, you have one responsibility. That responsibility is to be a doer of the law. Jesus is the lawgiver, and Jesus is the judge of all men. Your one responsibility, my one responsibility, is to be a doer of the law. And what is a doer of the law? Well, he's not really focusing so much on those Ten Commandments as much as the ones Jesus gave us when he summarized it in two commandments. And he said those two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, that all you are, you are to love God. And the second thing then is you are to love your neighbor, your brother, your sister. You're to love them as you love yourself. That's all God called on us to do. Amen. He just called us to love God with all that we are and then to love every other person, our neighbors, any and every person that we deal with in the world, and to love them as we love ourselves, to meet their needs, to love on them, to care for them. But our pride says something different. 
Our pride says that if somebody crosses me or somebody does something to me or somebody offends me or somebody doesn't let me have my way, then I don't like that. And therefore, if I'm not careful what I don't like in my heart, I will reveal through my mouth. Isn't that, isn't that right? Well, I think we might be reminded of that. Turn your Bibles here for just a second to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 12 Verse 34, this is what it says, the very last phrase. It says, For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So if we have pride that fills our heart, what is our mouth going to speak? It's going to speak out prideful things. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 18, it says, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from a heart, and those defile the man. So he says, if you have something in your heart, it's going to be revealed by your mouth. It's going to be revealed by what you say. You cannot hide it. Whatever you're speaking out your mouth is where your heart is. Now, I'm just here to tell you a lot of what comes out of our mouth is not pleasing to God. And a lot of what comes out of our mouth is not what God desires. And therefore, there are issues and things that we need to confess and to get right with God. And when do you find out what is in your heart is when you get squeezed. Amen? And when you get squeezed, the first place it's going to be revealed is out of your mouth. It cannot be hidden. It's going to be out of your mouth. So what does James say here? James says, beware lest you speak against your brother. Lest you speak against your sister. Lest you say something about someone or, or you speak against someone that you might encounter. Be, beware. That's not what God desires. That, that is not a humble heart. That's not being like Jesus. That's being full of pride. And if you're one who is speaking against your brother and you speak against them, then what you have done is you've elevated yourself up to a point that you have made yourself not just the lawgiver, but you've also made yourself the judge over the law. And you've elevated yourself into a position that only Jesus has because Jesus is the one who has the capital L as lawgiver and the capital J as judge. And he is also the one who gives life and saves and destroys. I don't have that ability to you. If you don't have the ability to save and destroy, then you don't have the right to be lawgiver or judge. But what you're to do is to love your brother, love your sister, to do the things that you're supposed to be doing. And beware whenever you speak with your mouth. Whenever you say something with your mouth that reveals what is in your heart, and that thing that's in your heart is pride. It is sinful pride that is in your heart. Be careful about that because I'm here to tell you uh, it can come your way and God will reveal to you all kinds of things about it. That's been my week. This is one of my favorite books in all. All the world, other than the Bible. It's called The Calvary Road, and uh, it's by Roy Hesse, and it's an old book. I have a love-hate relationship with this book. I love it because it speaks to you great truth. I hate it because it speaks to you great truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've read this book 40 times, and I'll probably read it if, I, if the Lord tarries another 40 times. And so in the midst of my week this week, as we've been encountering different things, I had to go back to this book. And this book talks about the matter of pride and brokenness and how to be like Jesus. I'm going to read something from you in just a minute. But let me just share with you a little bit about my week. Would you like to know about my week? 
All right, I'm going to tell you about my week. We are in the midst of a 2020 vision, and we've got so many things going. I feel like I'm juggling things right and left. We've got deadlines that we have set. Daryl mentioned about the fact that the Counseling Center on the 8th of July and the, the uh, daycare or, or the Learning Center starting on the, on the 29th of July. All those things have. And I'm a person who has things organized, and we have things in order, and we have everything going. The remodeling is going great. We have everything scheduled for that. Till this week, this week, I had to have a meeting with an architect. And I had to have a meeting with an architect regarding... Life safety issues. Bless their hearts. Life safety issues. There are books this big on life safety issues. I probably they've got to be this big. It would take one person a whole lifetime just to read it and to understand it. Well, whenever I had the meeting with that, all of a sudden I was informed that in order for us to open the daycare, that we had one of two options. We could put a sprinkler system throughout the whole building, a sprinkler system, and also an alarm system. Those things are all cheap. You know, they're very, very cheap. They give those things away. Or either we could cut holes in our exterior walls to every room that needed an exterior door for two and a half years and younger to be housed in it. I said, well, that ain't happening. <laughs> we have a historical building. you imagine all these cut little openings in a historical building? That looked beautiful. I said, that's not happening. Well, that was what they told us. And in regard to that, they, they said, this is what's going to have to happen. And open it. Well, there's two, two big obstacles about that. One is the cost, and the other is the time. Cost and time. Two things we don't have a whole lot of at this particular point in time or didn't want to to invest a whole lot about that. So in regard to that is I just stiffened my neck. And man, I went about anything and everything I could to not have to do that. I'm telling you what, I disliked architects. <laughs> I spoke against fire marshals. <laughs> I spoke against inspectors. The whole city of Anniston. <laughs> If, if I could have picked up the church and moved it out of Anniston, we would have been moving. I'm here to tell you, there was venom coming out of me everywhere. That is terrible to say, but that is the honest to the Lord truth. That is the truth. That, that's where I was. Thursday is my day off. And Thursday, I was dealing with some, doing something personally, and I stayed on the phone constantly with architects and inspectors and everything else. And every time I got off the phone, it was worse news and worse news and worse news. And I've been claiming that promise that God gave to me, and I told you we needed this promise. That's the Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, where it says that the Lord promised to us that when the Lord opens the door, that no one can shut it. So I, man, I was quoting that verse all week long. <laughs> I was like, Lord, you said that we're to do this, and so you're going to open the door that they're trying to shut. Lord, you're going to do this. Lord, you're going to do this. I, I just quoting that all week long. Now, let me tell you honestly how I was hoping it was happening. <laughs> I, I was hoping that, they were, that God was going to come in there and God was going to change the heart of these people. That they were going to give, or, or, that, or that somehow and some way we could find some loophole. I looked for every loophole there was in the world. 
Or I was just believing God was going to come and zap them. Just zap them and they should be gone. Whatever it was going to take for the door to be opened, it was going to happen. And I had in my mind how that was going to happen. It's going to happen this way. None of those things happened. Not any of those things. I was kind of like, you know, in my disciple life reading this week in 2 Kings, I was in the story of Naaman. Remember Naaman, the leper? And he was a Syrian uh, commander, and he had leprosy, and he was told about the man of God over in Israel. If he'd go over there, he could get well. You remember when he went over there to get well? The man of God told him, says, you go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and you can get well. Remember what Naaman said about that? Naaman refused. He, I'm not going down there. <laughs> I'm not doing, this is what Naaman said. Naaman said, man, that's not the way I thought it was going to be. That's not what I thought. I thought he would just come up here. He would say some words over me. He'd rub his head over, hand over my, and my leprosy would be gone. And one of his servants said, well, master, uh, don't you think if, if, uh, if he'd have told you something really hard, you'd have done it? Yes. He said, well, don't you think y'all just go down there and dip seven times and see if it works? And Naaman went down there and seven times he dipped on the seventh time. He's what? He's made clean. He was made clean. So basically in that story is the way Naaman thought it was supposed to happen is not the way it was going to happen. And he was kind of hung up on that. Well, the way I thought it was going to happen is not the way God decided for it to happen or they want it to happen. So I almost missed out on that because I had my plan of how God was going to do it from changing hearts to loopholes to zapping somebody somewhere, you know, just something. It wasn't going to happen that way. But the Lord later revealed to me what he was going to do and, and how he, he did that. But let me, I want to read to you, though, a little bit in this little book here. You ought to get this book. You'll love it. You'll hate it, too. Uh, whenever you start reading it, you'll understand what I mean. This is where I want to see. This simply means, it's talking about dealing with pride. This simply means that the hard, unyielding self, which justifies itself, wants its own way, stands up for its rights, and seeks its own glory, at last bows its head to God's will and admits its wrong and gives up its own way to Jesus. That's what humility is. Do you hear what that's at? You have to yield yourself where you've been trying to justify yourself, want your own way, stand on your own rights. Boy, you could have put a poster with my picture on that last week. Right? That's exactly, that's exactly where I would have been. But it says, being broken is both God's work and ours. He brings his pressure to bear, but we have to make the choice. If we really open to conviction as we seek the fellowship with God and a willingness for his light to shine on that aspect of our fellowship with him. God will show us the expressions of this proud, hard self that cause him pain. Then it is when we have stiffened our necks and refused to repent, or we can either bow our heads and say, yes, Lord. Brokenness in daily experience is simply the response of humility to the conviction of God. The willingness of Jesus to be broken for us is the all-compelling motive in our being broken too. If Jesus is willing to go to the cross for us, shouldn't we be willing to be broken? That's what it says. Jesus, in, in one of the Psalms, says, I am a worm and not a man. 
Those who have lived in tropical lands tell us that there's a big difference between a snake and a worm when you attempt to strike at them. The snake rears itself up and hisses and tries to strike back. That's a true picture of self. But a worm offers no resistance. It allows you to do what you like with it. Kick it or squash it under your heel. A picture of true brokenness. And Jesus was willing to become just that for us and a worm and not a man. And he did so because that is what he saw us to be. Worms having forfeited all rights of our sin except to deserve hell. And he now calls us to take our rightful place as worms for him and with him. The whole Sermon on the Mount is its teaching of non-retaliation. You know what Jesus called us to be? Worms. Who get stepped on, get squashed, who don't fight back. I'm a whole lot better at being a snake. What about you? My old flesh wants to fight back. My pride wants to snap back. I've had a whole week of snapping back, fighting, doing whatever you could to no avail except to reveal the filth of your sin. That's what it's been like. Listen to what it says here. When it talks about this matter of humility, it says, By dying to self, it's not a thing that you do once. There may be an initial dying when God first shows you these things, but ever after... There will be a constant dying, for only so can the Lord be revealed constantly through us. All the day long, the choice will be before us in a thousand ways. It will mean no plans, no time, no money, no pleasure of our own. It will mean a constant yielding to those around us. Listen now. For our yieldedness to God is measured by our yieldedness to man. Did you all hear that? Our yieldedness to God is measured by our yieldedness to man. Every humiliation, everyone who tries and vexes us is God's way of breaking us so that there is a yet deeper channel in us for the life of Christ. See, this whole week really wasn't about daycare. This whole week was about me. This whole week is about me is. Is what rights and what do I defend and what do I want and have my way. All of that. And, and when I wasn't getting my way and when things weren't going the way we felt like they had to because of, of cost, because of time. Whenever that began to happen, when it began to work, then what was I? I strike back, fight back, resist it every way you can, which just reveals by your words, you got pride in your heart. You've got pride in your heart. I'll tell you, I had such a miserable week. I study all week long for the sermon. I had such a miserable week that I couldn't even study for a sermon. Because I, I kept reading those same verses. I didn't want to read those verses. What, what I need to hear right now, those verses. Until God finally broke my heart. He broke my heart on Friday. and He, he broke my heart on Saturday morning and sitting out on my deck. On Saturday morning is the first time I was able to really open up that word and see what God was doing. The daycare was one thing. It was what God was doing far more important in my heart and in my life. And revealing to me what he wanted to do in me and what needed to happen in me. You know what, you know what God revealed to me? God revealed to me that he's totally in control and he's not anxious about that daycare a bit. 
Matter of fact, he, he, he revealed this to me, and he, he showed this to me, that whenever God said that he would open every door that sought to be closed, I do believe the enemy tries to close doors that, he, that, the, that the church of God needs to open. Amen? I believe the old enemy is there. And I'm not saying who's the enemy or anything. I just believe we have to face that at times. But he's already promised that every, every door that he's opened, it would remain open. There will be an opening. But he just wasn't doing it my way. And what he brought back to my remembrance is, is this statement. And I made this statement a few weeks ago whenever we talked about the, the giving and, and the supply. And, and I made a statement about this. This is a, a principle I function by is that where there is no supply, there is no need. In other words, if God doesn't supply it, then there's no need for it. Whatever there's a need for, God is going to supply. But God reminded me of something different on Friday and Saturday. He reminded me of this. Where there is an abundance of need, there will be an abundance of supply. And, you know, we couldn't figure out why God so blessed us. We wanted to pledge $500,000. We've pledged over $700,000. We received a gift of $333,000 that we totally, absolutely unexpected. And God basically said this to me. He said, do you not think I have enough to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of? Do you not understand that I have already supplied more because I knew what was going to happen and how the door would try to be closed, but that I've already provided everything that's going to need to be taken place as far as finances? And then, bless the Lord, we were able to talk to two different companies, one a, a sprinkler company and another alarm company, and one's going to give us their bid on Monday and the other on Tuesday. They've said they can get it done in about three weeks, the sprinkler system for that area and the alarm system and all those kind of things. What it basically said is this, is that God has provided everything we're going to need financially, and we've worked with some people who said they'll get it done physically to be able to do that. So in other words, there will be an open door, and that daycare is going to be open. It's not going to be closed, and God already knew that. He just had to get his preacher who's running around complaining, fussing, aggravating, mad at the world, and wanting to fight anybody and anything that can move. That he needed to get his preacher's heart right. And he get his preacher's heart right. And his preacher's heart was revealed in a, in a sad way through what he says. Through what he speaks. Through trying to fight and argue instead of love God and love others. Now, I'm probably not the only person. You may not have been battling the daycare, but you've probably been battling other things in your life. And I can tell you, if you're battling it, and you got pride in your heart, it's coming out your mouth. You can't stop it. Just listen to yourself. When you listen to yourself, you'll hear it. That unyielding self, that, that one who wants their way, that one who has pride in their heart. And so this passage is very important as it goes along with last week's passage. That God hates pride in every one of us because of what it costs. But he also helps us to see pride and not have to wonder whether you have it or not. He helps us to see it just by listening to ourselves. And that we don't have to fight. We don't have to fuss. We don't have to complain. We don't have to judge. We just have to submit. We have to submit and be yielded to him. And whenever we're yielded to him, he's going to take care of it anyway. Amen. Let me tell you the truths that I wrote down. 
But he told me, these are the truths that I feel like you can write down as well in your own life. Number one, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Keep your mouth shut. Number two, love your brothers and your sisters. And that's anybody who comes your way. Three, remember that this is my work, he says, and I have known from the beginning what it will take. He's never surprised. Remember that this is my work. And I have known from the beginning what it will take. And number four, trust me. Just trust me. Those are good principles. And it's a good summary of what we need to learn from those two verses. That are primarily the means of how God reveals a prideful heart. So, if you've had a miserable week. If you've had a wasted week. If you feel like a failure, join the crowd. I've had that same kind of week, but you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. You can yield your heart to God, yield your heart to others, and find out what God wants to do in and through you and be blessed. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon-series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.